repent because the king is coming. That was what John would have preached. But now what Jesus is saying is repent because the king is here. Matthew 4, 17, we see this, that from that time, meaning that time that John was imprisoned, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John preached that repentance needs to happen because the king is coming. And now Jesus says you need to repent because the king has arrived and there's a new order, a new way of doing things. This is one of the biggest proclamations Jesus makes, and it's in one word. He says, repent. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Reg walked us through the meaning of this word, repent, when we looked at when John the Baptist said this same message in Matthew 3, 2. The, the word actually comes from the Greek word matineo, which, means, which involves a complete change. And that complete change involves three things. One, you have the confession or the admission of sin in your life. You recognize it and you confess it. Number two, there's the remorse or the sorrow over sin. And then finally, number three, you have the conversion or the moment you turn from sin. So in other words, this means that when we are faced away from God in faith, he is faced away from us in relationship and protection. When we repent, we turn to him and away from sin. And he turns towards us and turns away from judgment. You see, when, we, when you repent of your sin, you stop trying to pay the penalty for yourself. Repenting means that you accept Jesus' payment for your sin. But not only does it mean that you just simply accept the payment, it also means that you flee from sin. Repenting means fleeing. And I want to make sure that we understand that this is a full repentance that Jesus talks about in Matthew 4.17. Meaning he's, he's, he's turned away so as not even to entertain even the thought of sin. You see, oftentimes what I, what I feel like happens is that when we repent, we do what, I, what we talked about last week when we talked about temptation, we leave a forwarding address. Right, we kind of we kind of we turn away from sin and then we just kind of leave it there. We don't actually flee from it. We just we just turn from it. Right? And it, it's still there. It's kind of like that if you have siblings, that one annoying sibling that won't leave you alone and always wants to play, right? It's just it's just always there, right? And yes, I did just correlate uh, sin and temptation to a younger sibling. It's fine. I'm the youngest sibling. It's okay. What I see oftentimes, though, is, is not this wanting to leave the sin. Oftentimes, I think a phrase that, that would often identify our lives is that, yeah, I want to love Jesus, but Jesus, I want to love you, and I want to love my sin, too. I want to keep them together. You see, if, if you've truly repented and turned you will look vastly different, vastly different than you did before. Because repenting means you change the way you act and behave. Repenting means changing the way you think and act or behave. You see, repenting of sin 
means that you do a 180-degree turn and completely face the other direction. You, you look towards Christ. And, and that 180-degree turn makes you look so different that it makes people ask, what is wrong with you, in a sense? Because when you do that 180-degree turn, it's almost like you are turning 180 degrees on what the world thinks you should look like. Right? Because Paul tells us that we are not to be conformed to the patterns of this world. Right? So that 180-degree turn, you look vastly different. And hear me say, this change is not easy. Because turning away, repenting of sin, means that you have to turn away from things that the world says is okay. And you do this because of who God has called you to be. You no longer pursue the things that give you an opportunity to let sin come back into your life. In a sense, there, there's nothing inherently wrong with Netflix. There isn't. If you have Netflix on whatever device you use, there's, there's nothing wrong. But what is wrong is if you are indulging a show or a movie, or a series that then leads you to sin or is not glorifying to God. The, the, the extreme, as, as the world calls it, is, is to simply get rid of Netflix. Or to get rid of whatever is in your life. There have been multiple times where Alex and I have had the conversation of, we, we can't watch this show. This is a popular show but I can't watch this show. We personally made the decision to no longer pay for Netflix because it was doing nothing edifying. Sometimes you have to be honest, and, and sometimes the responses you get from people are that eyebrow moment like, just, just don't watch that show. No, don't even give the foothold. Don't even give the foothold. Look at what Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. He says this, he says, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, and alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Meaning they didn't want to change. I don't have a problem. I don't have anything I need to turn from. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Then hear what Paul says in verse 20. But this is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holy. What I really want us to look at is, is verse 20, what Paul says, living in your former way of life is not how you learned Christ. You were taught. Right? Any of us that are following Jesus would say it wasn't just a miraculous moment where you opened up a can and boom, there's how to follow Jesus. Right? It's, it's, it, that, that isn't the way it works. And even Paul affirms that. And as we will see as we continue through Matthew here, that's not even the way Jesus wants it to happen or expects it to happen. Right? But he says, if you are truly following Christ, okay, so there's a warning. If you are truly following Christ, or if you want to truly follow Christ, then you will no longer be like you were. 
No longer. Not at all. My former self, I loved taking the credit. I loved everybody saying, look at how great I am. And then God puts me into a position where I have no choice but to thank the people around me. Because it's all about what he wants to do, not what you want to do. And then we are to be renewed, right? That means we have to detox from where we were and put on the new self best part that was created in the likeness of God. You want to be more like Christ, you have to completely deny where you were and who you were. But here's the thing. This isn't just about us and being made new. Because as we read on in Matthew 4, we see not only are we called to repent, but we're also called to follow. Okay, there's the call to follow. And the two go hand in hand because, in essence, what Jesus is really calling his disciples to when he says to follow me is to surrender to him. Because number two, the call to follow is a call to surrender. Okay, the call to follow is a call to surrender. If you've ever gone through a bend in the new membership class that, that Pastor Reg talked about, uh, we define what a disciple of Christ looks like by looking at three things from Matthew 4.19. Those three things are, one, that Jesus is Lord of your life. He leads your life, commands your life. And two, that you are being constantly, constantly, always being changed by him. If you are still alive and breathing then you are not complete yet. God is not done with you yet. And number three, you are committed to his mission of making disciples. You are committed to his mission. Let's look at how Jesus calls his first disciples in Matthew 4, 19 to 22. And Jesus said to them, this is Simon and Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately... They left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Notice, how, notice what Jesus says to Simon and Andrew when, when he calls them. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Let me say that again. Jesus says, I will make you. He says, make. Right now, I don't know if you've ever made anything, okay? but I don't know anything that is made in the matter of like 0.1 second. Right? Like you can just snap your fingers and it's there. Right? Everything that is made is a process. Right? A child being made is nine months process. Right? A cake for some people is a very quick process. For people like me, it's like a three-month journey, right? Like, but there's still a process that goes into it, right? There's, there's time. So, so this means that this process of being fishers of men is going to take time because God is a patient God. And there's a, I mean, for some of us can attest, there's a lot of stuff we've got to work through to get to looking like Jesus wants us to look like. He says, this isn't an overnight change, and if you follow me, you will become like me. And I'm going to show you how you fish for men, for people. Now, if there's one thing I love to do uh, almost as much as I love to go hunting, it's I love to go fishing. 
I love fishing. And I remember when I lived in Kinderville, I would go fishing almost every day with my youth pastor. And whenever my parents and I would go camping, my dad and I would always go fishing. Uh, we always made sure that we had our, our fishing poles and our tackle boxes. Didn't always make sure we had clothes. Thank goodness for my mother. Uh, but we made sure we had our fishing stuff because we knew. That, and it was always the question of, is there a fishing pond or lake? We, we didn't ask about anything else around the campsite. We loved to go fishing. And for the longest time, I was, I was that impatient fisherman. I would, I would cast my line out, and I would, I would just expect that a fish would just hop on, right? Like, oh, hey, let's go for a ride, right? Not the way that fishing, fishing works. I, I, when I first started, I remember my dad taking me out. I didn't actually think there was any skill to it. I was like, how hard could this be? You literally just throw the line out, and you reel it in, you got to fish, right? That, that's what I thought. And as I fished more with my dad and, and Dan, my youth pastor, I learned how to read the water, to understand where the fish are moving, and understand the different ripples and how the currents can change by how big of a school of fish are at a certain point. I learned to understand the time of day depends on how deep you want to throw, throw your lures. Understanding the different spots in the water, looking along shorelines to understand if fish were bedding, and then pull through the bed to see if you can get the fish to come out from the bottom. I also learned that there's many different types of baits that depend on the elements that you're fishing in and the type and size of fish that you wanted to catch. Now, hear me say this. I am not an expert fisherman. Okay? I'm not about to make my living fishing. Okay? But it is much more enjoyable than the first time that I went out because I had people who were willing to take the time to show me the process of fishing. And it's so much more enjoyable. Can you think about this for me for a minute? If, if my dad would have, the first time he took me out, gave me a fishing pole, a tackle box full of baits, dropped me off at the lake and said, go, be a fisherman. Never, never showed me how to tie the bait, never, never showed me how to do any of that, just, just said, there, go do it. Now, I probably, and I say probably, that's a big probably, I probably would have figured out how to put the lure on and, and, and get my bait and cast out there, and then you may get lucky, right, because fish are dumb and will go towards the hook, right, so I probably would get a fish, be like, oh, right, I know what I'm doing, I know how to fish, right, but then what happens the, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, as I keep throwing to that same spot, I'm not going to catch any fish and I'm going to lose interest, right, and just expecting to, to throw, throw my line out and, and catch a fish, a lot of times that's how we go to make disciples, isn't it? We're like, okay, I'm following Jesus, and I know his command, go and make disciples of all nations. I know that he's calling me to do that. Okay, now I should just be good at it, right? That, that's how this works, right? I come to know Jesus, and boom, I know how to do it. Well, that's not how what Jesus was telling Simon, Andrew, James, and John. He wasn't like, hey, guys, follow me, and just, just be like me. I'm going to go do Jesus things, and you just watch me. Right, that, that's not how Jesus did it. He said, follow me and I will make you. I will make you is a three and a half year process for me to show you. And that's the perfect son of God, three and a half years. It took him to show sinful man how to fish for men. That's got to be a record. I've been working with Tyler for seven years. <laughs> One of the hardest things you will do is walk with someone to make them a disciple. 
But hear me say, it is one of the most rewarding things to do. I can make fun of Tyler because he's, probably, he's one of the most rewarding things that I've gotten to do is to walk with him. You can ask any of the 20 adults in here. There are times where they come to me and they go, I am so frustrated right now because of whatever is going on. But then seeing the silver lining that, that when you trust God to change their hearts to use you and that it's not you changing their hearts, it changes the whole experience. And that's what Jesus is telling these guys. He's saying, I'm going to teach you how to do this. And what's cool is, is watching someone like Tyler now invest in others like I invested in him. And if you, if you really want some good stories, ask Mike Fisher about Jesus Martinez, and he'll tell you that it's just as rewarding. Notice I said rewarding. Following Jesus is rewarding if you stick with it. Here's the thing. We, we learn two things about those who have been chosen to join God's mission. First, God does not waste your experience. He does not waste your experience. It's no coincidence that the first disciples Jesus calls are fishermen. Okay, because, because making disciples is like fishing. It really is. It is meticulous, and the only way that you catch a fish, is, in, in all honesty, is to think like a fish. Okay, it's, if the water's warm and the air is cold, where am I going to go? I'm going to go deeper in the water. Right? If I want to be warm, if I'm trying to catch that type of fish, vice versa. You have to think like a fish, right? So in order to make disciples, you have to think like other people, right? And the best way, here, here's the crazy thing. This, this blows my mind. The best way to reach a lost person, someone who's not following Jesus, is to think like a lost person. Well, guess what? We've all been lost at one point in our lives. We've all been there. Here's the awesome thing. Those experiences like Val talked about, God isn't going to waste those. Were they painful? Absolutely. You could see it in her, in her, hear it in her voice. Right? Ava's sharing that to give up that anxiety. God isn't going to waste it. He isn't like, oh, hey, here, this was just for kicks and giggles. Just to see if you were tough enough. He says, I'm going to use that. I guarantee you they're going to connect with people who struggle with the same thing. God will redeem it. He does not waste your experiences. He wasn't like just walking down the street and just being like, oh, hey, you know what? There's, there's two guys that don't look like they're doing anything. Hey, Simon, Andrew, come follow me. And they're like, oh, hey, all right, let's go. That's not, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus knew who these guys were, and these guys knew who Jesus was, and so he said, follow me, and they said, I want to follow you because of who you are, Jesus. This shows the epitome of what God looks at when he calls people to serve him. He looks at who is willing regardless of status. You want to know the bottom line of being a follower of Jesus is to be willing because everything, everybody, every single person who is a follower of Jesus has something to offer to the mission. If you look at Mark 12, 41 to 44, Jesus tells the story of the poor widow's offering. She gives two bronze coins. And in the world's eyes, wasn't a whole lot to offer compared to what these rich rulers were giving. 
And Jesus looks at his disciples and says that the, the poor widow has given so much more than anybody else who had given to the offering. It didn't matter her status. What, was, what mattered was that she believed in what God was doing and was willing to give to it because of what her God commanded her to do. Everyone has something to offer and everyone has something God can use. God does not waste your experience. You may think that you are worthless right now. You may think that God could not love someone or use someone like you, but he can and he does and he will use those four those experiences in your life to bring him glory and to bring people to himself. And then you get to share in that joy. You get to share in that joy. And sharing in that joy is oh so sweet. It is oh so sweet. The second thing about surrendering God is that God is not random. A lot of times we're like, we just leave it up to chance. And, oh, well, I hope God does this. And like God's got like throwing dice or he's got a spinning wheel and he throws a dart. Or even, a lot of times we feel like that. But let me tell you that God is not random. He is meticulous. And why I know that is because I know that the enemy is meticulous and how he attacks. And if the enemy is meticulous and how he attacks, then our God is so much more meticulous in how he calls us and how he serves us and how he equips us. If you, if you read this account of, of Jesus calling his disciples as just a book, then it just seems like random that, again, they're like, oh, yeah, there's some guys fishing in a boat. Let's go. But that's not, that's not how this went. If you read the beginning of this section, you see that John was in prison, and then Jesus left and began preaching the same message. And Jesus spoke with so much authority that people were talking about him. Because usually what happens was you would come to church like this in the synagogue and, and, we, and we would preach from the Bible and then there would be like, kind of like open discussion round table things happening. You kind of get to decide what, what God was, was telling you. Jesus walked in and preached and there was no discussion. He preached with the authority that only came from God and so that started waves. So these guys already knew who he was and then there he was and he says, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. And so they, they left everything. They left their life. These guys were low-status people who their only source of income was by catching fish if it was a good day. If it wasn't a good day, they were in trouble. That's why, that's why James and John were mending their nets because they needed to catch fish because if they didn't, they wouldn't get paid. And Jesus says, no, I want you to leave that and I want you to come with me. There's no guarantee Jesus gave them no guarantee, but the scripture tells us immediately they left everything. They left what they knew. They gave it up and followed Jesus. He's not random. He's meticulous. Psalm 139 tells us that God knows everything about you and me, and that he knitted us together, knitted you together in your mother's womb, which means he knew what I was going to be like before my mom even knew she was pregnant with me or even knew there was a chance of me. God knew that he was going to make Sean Mason and have him born on February 3rd, give him ADHD and completely change his life and go into ministry at Community Grace in Warsaw before Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. And you know what? The same is true for you. God knew what you were going to struggle with. And you know what? Some of you have a story very similar to Val's. Your, your, your dad... Not, not like a dad should have been in your life. 
called you a failure. And even though, even though you have sinned, you know what God has done? He still loves you and is still pursuing you. He's still calling you. He's still looking at you saying, follow me. Leave, leave that. Leave whatever it is that you're holding on to, wherever your security, wherever your identity is at, leave it. Leave it. Follow me. And I'm going to allow you, I'm going to show you how to find so much more worth than you will ever know. Than you will ever know. Leave it. If you're a follower of Jesus, the bottom line is that you have a place to fit in in fulfilling his mission of making disciples. You just have to follow him. And you know what? You may feel unqualified or ill-equipped. And that's the beauty of it. You are. You are. There's one of my favorite phrases that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So if you feel God is calling you into something, he's going to prepare you for it. It may not be in your time. But he will show up. There's many times Reg and I talk about things that we're going to do, and, and I leave our one-on-ones feeling really nervous about what he has me doing. I'm like, I don't know if that's for me. But then as we continue to walk, God continuously shows that, no, I've got it. You, I'm not calling you to this, Sean, because of you. I'm calling this because that's what I want from you, and I will make you. And then Jesus takes his disciples on the rest of this journey through the rest of this passage that we're looking at. And he continues his ministry, preaching the same message and then showing his disciples how to make disciples. So how do you do that? What does that look like in your life? Well, I've got three next steps for you this morning. First, answer that call to repent and follow Jesus. You can't follow Jesus if you don't have a relationship with him. And some of you here this morning, you've never surrendered your life. You're, you're still holding on to whatever it is, wherever that security is, and you haven't surrendered to him. May I, I encourage you to, to answer that call this morning and, and surrender it to him. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to have your life together. You may not even fully understand all that there is to know about following Jesus. That's okay. Simon and Andrew didn't. James and John didn't. And yet they stepped out in faith and said, I'm going to follow Jesus. If that's you this morning, let me encourage you to either check that on your communication card or, or come talk to me, come talk to an elder, come talk to Pastor Reg or, or anyone that you know that's in a relationship with Jesus. We have a, man, I love this church. If you're, if you're new here, you, you are in a good spot because we have so many people in this body that, want, that care for you and want to walk with you. And don't wait, because we're not guaranteed another day or another second. Don't wait to surrender your life. And then when you repent and you surrender, allow God to change the way you think. I, I want to be clear on this in, in case you haven't officially surrendered your life to Jesus. When you surrender your life to following Jesus, you immediately gain an enemy. Immediately. You enter into a battlefield and that enemy does everything he can do to stop you because he wants you holding on to your nets. He wants you to keep mending your own nets. 
because that's where your livelihood, that's where, that's where your comfort and security is, is in those nets and what you can do. He doesn't want you to let go. And he will do everything he can to try to stop you. So you need to change the way that we think. We have to deny the things that we do not agree with. When I was in high school, I, I said, I'm going to do everything I can do not to go to college. I do not want to go to college. College school. I hate school. I'm not, I'm, I'm not good at it. I don't want to go to it. I'm going to do everything. So first I'm going to be a fireman because my dad was a fireman. So that, and, and I love it. I still get the, ask Alex, I still get the adrenaline rush when I see fire trucks drive by with their lights on and I want to go see what's going on. And so that was the, the, the first call. Then, then I got an interest in theater. I said, oh, I'm going to go be a technical theater director. You don't actually have to go to school to be a technical theater director. It, it would help, but I'm not going to need to. Well, then I started an internship with my youth pastor, and I knew that God was calling me into youth ministry or into ministry. And he says, you know what, Sean? I want you to go to Grace College. I want you to go to Grace College for youth ministry, and you're going to make some of the, the best connections you could ever make. And in fact, you're going to step foot in the church that you're going to one day work at. I didn't know that at the time. So I said, okay, God, I'll go. Well, then God was calling me out of school, and I went, praise the Lord. And seven years later, God gives me some goals. God says, hey, Sean, in order to complete those goals, I'm going to need you to go back to school. And for a year, for a year, Pastor, and I, Pastor Reg and I would meet on Thursdays, and I felt like I was, I was beating a dead horse, so to say, of, yeah, I, I, I do, I'm trying to go back to school, but none of these schools are working with me with, with what I have. And I felt like, God, are you sure that this is my, are you sure this is the goal, these are the goals you have for me? And then he lands me with Eternity Bible College, who's willing to work with me, and he says, yes, I just didn't have it for you in 2021, I have it for you in 2022. So now I'm back in school. It's not what I want. It is not what I want, what my, what my flesh desire wants. But in order to follow Jesus better, in order to pursue Jesus better, in order to become a better person, I'm willing to. And so I ask you, I'm not, I'm not going to give you a third application point, a third next time. I'm not going to give it to you. And, and you'll notice that there's a blank line there. And so I'm going to challenge you to do something this morning. In that blank line, I want you to write whatever it is, whatever net you're holding on to. I want you to write it down. I want you to be honest. I want, and I'm going to give you just 30 seconds here in just, in just a minute to pray and ask God, what is it that I need to let go of? What am I resting in that is keeping me from following you? And I want you to write that down. And we're not going to plaster them over, all over the walls so that everybody can see what, whatever it is that you struggle with. And we're not going to do that, but what I, what I do want you to do then is, is I want you to write that down, and then I want you to share that with someone. Someone who, one, can hold you accountable. Who isn't going to judge you, who isn't going to laugh at you, but who's going to say, you know what? Let's follow Jesus together. Find someone who, you know what? I want to follow Jesus like them. I want to be like them. I, I, want, I want that. And walk with them. And let go of your net. Let go of your net.
step out in faith and allow God to change you. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Pray and write it down. Lord, it's hard. God, it's, it's, it's so hard to let go of the net. God, because that's, that's all we've known. God, to step out in faith into something that we're unsure of. God, but I pray for whatever is written on line three whatever needs to be surrendered. Lord, I pray that you allow us to let it go, to turn, to follow you. God, and allow you to change us, allow you to make us disciples. God, may we love you more than we love our sin. May we hate our sin and pursue you with everything that we have. God, may we let it release the nets and step out in faith, Lord. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.